I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to a special Christmas and New Year double edition of the FT Money Show. In today's programme, we look back on a tumultuous year for savers and borrowers and try to unwrap the best deals for the year ahead. We take stock of the stock market in 2008 and look at the prospects for investors into 2009. And we come up with some New Year resolutions for anyone with a pension or long-term financial plans. I'm Matthew Vincent and I'll be giving you the festive lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with the help of my colleagues from FT. FT Money, Charlene Goff. Hello. Steve Lodge. Ho, ho, ho. And Elaine Moore. Hello. So let's start then with the housing and mortgage market. Charlene, it's, it's been an astonishing year. What's been the highlight or low light uh, for you? Well, like you say, I think the whole year for mortgages and the housing market has been pretty momentous. I mean, we've seen mortgage rates hit their highest level for sort of a decade and then within a few months drop to their lowest level for a decade. So you've just seen these huge swings in in rates. Perhaps for me, the most shocking single event was the takeover of HBOS, uh, which is in process. You know, this was the biggest mortgage lender, the owner of Halifax, just disappearing and being taken over by Lloyd's TSB overnight and affecting millions of borrowers. And I think as a result of all those things you've said, the the swings in interest rates, the changes in the ownership of certain mortgage lenders, the range of rates that people could be paying now is so wide. It could be more than 7% or less than... 2%. Exactly. I mean, there's just this huge gulf now between riskier borrowers and the most credit-worthy borrowers and also between new borrowers and existing borrowers. So those who bought properties a year or so ago are paying less than 2%, so really, really cheap mortgages. And they could even see their mortgage rate drop to close to zero over the next year. If we compare with that new borrowers who need to borrow close to the property value, those who don't have big deposits are still paying over 7%. So just this huge difference there. And that's really not been the case in the past ever. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Charlene, um, fixed people who locked into fixed rates thinking they were low now look rather silly, don't they? I mean, they've locked in at the silly. I mean, obviously, their borrowings are fixed, but they're paying five, five and a half, even six, when, as you rightly say, some people are paying as little as two or under. Yeah, I mean, that was the best rate sort of in the spring and summer, were five, six percent, and they look really good, and people were sort of rushing out to buy them, worrying that 
rates were disappearing fast, going up fast. And the main reasons for that were lenders increasingly pricing for risk. When interest rates started to fall, lenders were not passing the rates on to customers. Rates were staying very, very high. And it took these huge interest rate falls before any of the banks really started passing them on to customers. So people were rushing out and queuing on the streets just to get a mortgage of about 5%. But Charlene, the mortgage lenders haven't been that keen about passing on the rates to customers. Hasn't there been quite a lot of government intervention? That's been another really interesting development this year. The government has taken big stakes in many of the top lenders and therefore has the increasing power to push them to pass on rates. But it's taken real drive from the government for for that to happen. And like I said, that's happened quite recently and still is only benefiting borrowers with really big deposits. You think a year ago, you could get a decent mortgage with 5% or definitely with 10% deposit. Now to get anywhere near the best rates, you need a deposit of 40%. If I can just take issue with that slightly, I mean, I, I kind of think you're absolutely right. The, the whole debate about passing on rates has been politicised. And I think it is possible to defend the banks. Of course, tracker people have automatically seen the cuts. Fixed rates people were never going to see the, the cuts in base rates. And people on standard variable have seen the cuts. I think it's important to make the distinction between new borrowers who have not seen the benefit of rate cuts, i.e. mortgages being repriced, whereas existing borrowers have largely seen it. But let's think about those new borrowers, particularly anyone who's remortgaging in 2009. Charlene, what would the advice be? What are you, what's your top tip? Well, I think really it's just save, 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 because you're, to get a new mortgage now and any time in the near future, you're going to need a big deposit to get a competitive rate. Also, it would be worth just having a look around. There is a big differential now between what lenders are offering. But I think the key tip is to put as much cash into the property as possible and also just really check your credit rating because any slight blemish can really turn a mortgage lender off. Thanks Charlene and for a full review of the mortgage market and predictions for house prices and where interest rates are going to go next year look out for the special editions of FT Money on the 27th of December and the 3rd of January and remember if you're bored by Boxing Day you can also send in your questions to us for us to answer by emailing us at our new address money at ft.com Still to come in the show, we have a look at stock market investments and pensions. But first, savings rates. Steve, you keep a close eye on savings rates. And at one point this year, it was easy to get 7% plus uh, you know, from cash on deposit. You just went to one of those nice Icelandic banks. What's gone wrong since then? Well, in one sense, Matthew... Not that much has gone wrong, or not as much as people think has gone wrong. Any time those nice Icelandic banks or any other banks got in trouble, people have overwhelmingly been bailed out. There are some niggles around the edges about people who invested offshore, but frankly, um, obviously the, the taxmen and the government have issues with people investing offshore anyway. But largely people have been bailed out. Rates have come down, but uh, as a result of the three percentage point base rate cuts since October. But we st- you're still able to get rates of 4 and 5% when base rates are 2. So you're still, it is still possible to get a very high premium over base rates even after these big base rate cuts. And you're absolutely right. For most of the year, savers have been fabulous winners 
from the uh, credit crisis. Of course, the, the real winners overall have been people who, at the beginning of the year, flogged their house, didn't stay in stock markets and put everything in cash and hunkered down with baked beans and picked up those 7%. You're not going to tell me that you did that? No, I wasn't allowed to sell the house. And unfortunately, I was one of these unfortunately named bottom fishers who kept trying to time the market. But there has been a, um, another effect, though. I mean, Charlene mentioned the need for people to pay down mortgages to build up equity and so on. I mean, many listeners will have a lot of equity and will be in the fortunate position, like myself of paying as little as 1.5% on their mortgage. I thought you were going to mention that. Now, there's an obvious arbitrage there. From In my case, and, and it will be the case with some listeners out there, it's possible to borrow back all that money at that rate and lock into a higher savings rate and make a guaranteed return, an arbitrage. But for those who may want to go the arbitrage route or those who are just simply looking for a decent income from cash on deposit, and there'll be lots of listeners in that position, if we're going to go towards a 0% base rate in 2009, yeah. as many predict, how can anyone get a decent return on a savings account? You're absolutely right. I mean, the, the, the rates currently out there, to a degree, don't reflect uh, the full three percentage point cuts. And if, if, as you say, rates go even lower, as is expected after the US Fed effectively reduced rates to close to zero, we're probably going to see more cuts next year. What has been key to get these top returns this year and next year will be to move, be prepared to move your money around. If you leave your money in that old account, you are going to get stuffed, basically. You've got to move it around. And there are some offers. There's fixed rates out there, cash ices, moving your cash ices around, regular savings accounts, um, even current accounts. Some of these accounts you can lock into five, six, even as much as seven percent in some cases currently. Can you just give us a couple of examples of those top paying accounts? Well, 6% on regular savings, you can get that from an Alliance and Leicester current account, albeit on limited sums, with regular savings. Barclays and Abbey have monthly savings accounts. Fixed rates always changing all the time, of course, but then you're not limited in the amounts you can put in. And Steve, I think quite a big worry this year has been the safety of your cash deposit. You know, do you think that will continue? Are people safe or should they be paying quite close attention as to which provider they use? I think people should be paying close attention. You're absolutely right. People should always be wary of foreign banks. And and as we see, not because they're foreign per se, but I mean, I think the key weakness has been this passporting issue where the Icelandic banks failed and there was an issue about who would pay. And so there was something of a panic. Clearly, ideally, you should spread your money around. But equally, I don't think you should be too concerned. We are in a situation where unless we reach financial Armageddon, the government is going to see an interest for all of us in bailing out the occasional collapse. There has been a move this year, hasn't there, to, for people to spread their money between different banks only up to the compensation limit, the 50,000 yep. limit this year. And we've been discussing a bit recently whether there's any point in doing that because the government won't let UK banks fail, presumably. So maybe you don't need to move your money between different banks and therefore have less interest. I think don't, people don't need to be as worried as, as they might have thought. But I think there is an admin advantage. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com. Teach of nothing else. I mean, I was thinking the other day, my parents both have all their money with Halifax. If Halifax did go down and wasn't bailed out... I'd have to send them my salary. And as we know, that is, uh, there isn't much to split there. Well, a worry for everybody, <laughs> uh, I expect. But thanks very much for explaining the position with conversation and some of the better rates out there. And if you'd like the very latest on savings rates, look out for Steve's review of the savings markets on the 27th of December in the weekend FT. Or go online to ft.com forward slash money and compare some of the best deals. And finally, let's consider investors with money in share portfolios and pension funds, which I think will be most of our listeners. Elaine, with the market down around one-third in 2008... There's just been nowhere to hide, has there? There hasn't. Nobody seems to have escaped this year. Long-term pension savers, short-term investors, everybody has suffered. And millions of pension savers have seen a huge amount wiped off their portfolios this year. And I suppose the most extraordinary event of 2008 has been the level of volatility that we've seen. The S&P 500 moved up and down by more than 5% in a single trading day on no fewer than 44 occasions. And just to put that into context, between 1950 and 2006, that happened in 34 days in total. So we've seen more movement this year than we saw in that entire period. More than 50 years volatility in a single year. I suppose that's not counting the days where the market moved by more than 10% in a single day. It's been uh, chaotic out there. Oh, absolutely, Matthew. And individual shares have moved by double-figure percentages regularly, whether a minor bit of bad news, that's, that's marked shares down by more than 10% and has provided supposed opportunities for bargain hunters, and then the banks in particular Every time there's been a, the latest view on whether they're going to go bust or whether they're going to recover have been up and down like Santa in a chimney this year. <laughs> Indeed. Um, you mentioned your very low mortgage rates earlier, but I can't help but have to ask you about how the Lodge portfolio has got on in 2008. Has it managed to escape the worst of the market volatility? The Lodge portfolio hasn't escaped the, the market volatility. There's been too much bottom fishing. The Lodge portfolio was disproportionately exposed to banks, as many listeners' portfolios will have been. They've been fabulous income plays. They've been very solid investments for years and years. And, of course, the last year has been an absolute disaster. Against that, though, there have been some defensives. You know, Big Pharma has finally come good, although it didn't come good earlier in 2008. Big oil, many, many experts out there are talking about the BPs and shells, notwithstanding the sort of uh, volatility of the, the oil price, that those companies are relatively safe plays. Elaine, just turning to pension investors, we've seen deficits in uh, company pension schemes fall, then increase and move all over the place uh, amid the volatility. I suppose the bigger question is, looking into 2009, how viable were lots of 
certainly final salary pension schemes be? I think we're definitely seeing the death of final salary schemes. There's hardly any that are open now to new members. The ones that exist already have these enormous deficits and the companies are desperately trying to put money in to keep them as a viable option but that's just getting more difficult and as the equity markets have been so volatile that's been incredibly difficult. There also seems to be a storm brewing with public sector pensions which nobody really saw coming. These are these incredibly safe pensions that are very generous that are offered to teachers and nurses. There seems to be a change in public opinion about these because there's been independent research about the level of liabilities which is now estimated at a thousand billion pounds and there's no pot to pay this money so this will be paid for by future taxpayers and workers. So in future it's unlikely that there'll still be final salary schemes and everyone will be in an invested scheme, a money purchase scheme, if you like, and be at the mercy of the market. So I suppose the big question is, 2009, is it going to be as volatile as 2008? Well, after the big falls, maybe there are some opportunities. Some people are saying this is a fabulous entry point for emerging markets on a medium long-term pension view. I don't think anyone's got great hopes for the UK market because of the fears of further recessionary problems. However, there are obviously individual opportunities and people will be focused on the UK market, so high yielders. Some people are calling the bottom for the banks, but hey, they've been doing that for the last for, for 2008. So, The weakness of currency as well is going to be an issue, the weakness of sterling. It means that if you put money abroad now, you're buying at relatively expensive levels. Equally, it means that the strength of those other currencies, the dollar and the euro against the pound, has moderated the losses to date. And we've seen, I think, fund managers say that European stocks offer better uh, income prospects in terms of dividend yield than UK stocks. And a poll at the very end of 2008 showed that investment trust managers think the US is the market that will recover first and could be the one to drip feed into next year. Well, this is the argument about sort of first into the downturn, first out, so to speak. And on the same principle, I guess it would be Europe um, faces the biggest problems because the European economic downturn has yet to be fully as recognised as in the Anglo-Saxon world. Maybe. I Personally, I prefer emerging markets for a, a long-term pen, um, pension investor because, of course, most people who have a long time horizon to retirement are very underexposed to emerging markets, which, of course, are very dollar-related. Indeed. And that's the, that's the key, I think, to this, looking at your timescale. And if you've got a long-term time frame, there is time for recovery in 2009 and beyond, we all hope. But that's all we've got time for in this week's and, indeed, this year's FT Money Show. Do remember that you can email your views and your questions to our new address, money at ft.com. And you can also read the latest news stories every weekday on our website, ft.com forward slash money. And we'll be back on January the 9th next year with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, we wish all our listeners a very prosperous new year. And it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Elaine, Steve and Charlene. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.